Hi, I'm Victoria Bell. Welcome to But Why Though, the podcast where we look at common marketing practices that work and ask, but why though? Each week, we take a look at the neuroscience behind how these practices work and share tips for how you can use these traits to market and grow your business. Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of But Why Though? Today's very special episode because this is going to become our podcast, (laughs) our first podcast episode. And today I'm joined by Vince Warnock. He is uh, an award-winning business and marketing strategist, coach, author, and the host of Chasing the Insights podcast. So uh, thanks for joining me today, Vince. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me, Victoria. This is such an honor. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. First guest. Congratulations. (laughs) I feel so special. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, a little more about what you do? Yeah. Um, oh man. Well, once upon a time, no. Um, so actually it's just a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, look, I've been in and out of both entrepreneurship and corporate life for most of my career. Um, I've created and sold a number of companies, including an eight figure company, which, um, I sold before joining the team at Cigna as chief marketing officer. Um, so did that journey for about five years and then realized as much as I love the job, as much as I love the people, as much as I love the work that we're doing, I was completely unfulfilled. I was like, this is it. I, I was feeling that pull again to get back into entrepreneurship, to create something. But at the same time, I was also feeling like I was being really disingenuous where I was. Um, I was operating at the C-suite level where everybody's a number and a dollar sign, essentially. And that's, you know, we were a Fortune 100 company. So you're operating at a level where pretty much forget 24-7, it was like 48-7 was what we worked. Everything was all consuming. And I felt like I wasn't getting to impact anyone. So the hardest, easiest decision I've ever made was to walk away from that in January 2020. Um, my CEO did ask me if I needed psychological help. She's like, do you, do you know how much we pay you? I'm like, yes, I know how much you pay you. It's obscene, but it's, and, and we want you to stand. I was like, no, no, look, I need to do this because I know it's right. So I left there with the sole purpose, Victoria, of writing my next book. I had to publish the book, Chasing the Insights. I thought, right, that's it. I need to write a book to help people deal with imposter syndrome, to deal with self-sabotage that we all do as entrepreneurs. Um, that very quickly morphed into two books because I got bored. Uh, so I'm writing two books at the same mm-hmm. time. And then launching my podcast, but also then accidentally finding myself a coach. And the reason that this happened was because there were so many different companies that I was talking to in the process of writing my book and COVID happened. And by the way, perfect timing to leave a large corporate was when COVID happened. Seriously, yeah. everyone was calling me going, you jerk, you dick. And I'm like, yeah. ah, your problem, not my problem. <laughs> so that was fun. But um, but the interesting thing for me was seeing the impact that COVID had on these businesses. And I was dealing with companies in the US, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand. And pretty much every single one of them said the same thing, which was, we'd love to keep helping you because I was interviewing them all for the book. We'd love to keep helping you. But the reality is we have no revenue coming in right now. And we are freaking out. We've got the same overheads, no revenue. We don't even know if we're going to exist in the next month or so. So how can we help you by you know, telling you about what it's like to be an entrepreneur when we're not even going to be one? Um, that's the point where I was like, I can't do this. I can't stand back and leave them. Um, these are like, you get to know these people. They're amazing people. Entrepreneurs are a very special breed of person. Like genuinely, they're just um, like, they have a different kind of um, energy about them. They're more more tenacious. They're more um, innovative. They're more creative. I was like, I can't leave this be. So 
I decided I was going to give up my time for all of them and said, look, I will help you in any way that I can. So during it, I helped every one of those businesses to kind of pivot or to find additional revenue streams or different ways of engaging with their customers and then realized the result of that. It was like, we didn't, I had no casualties. Not a single company was lost in that, in that process. Uh, most of them broke even or even made the same that they were earning pre-COVID. Uh, in three cases, they end up doubling their revenue. And in one case, my star pupils, honestly, they tripled their revenue. And mainly because they thought they had this little niche. They were a, a cafe in Melbourne, a knitting cafe. Mm-hmm. They thought they had this little niche. They were like, right, that's our little area of Melbourne. And people come to us. They buy their coffee and scones and jam and all this kind of stuff. They learn to knit and then they buy their supplies from us. They didn't have an online store. They had nothing. Um, so the moment we pivoted that and we said, look, let's at least put your products online, allow people to do this. But then how do we create the community aspect of what you've got in an online environment? So we trialed a number of different things. And the moment they did that, they realized they thought their audience was tiny little area of Melbourne. Turns out their audience is all of Australia and people were desperate for what they had to offer. So they were just these two little old ladies absolutely crushing it. Okay. I'm not sure they're like <laughs> little old ladies. I just realized <laughs> two, two uh, very talented, very, very, very <laughs> intelligent women. Um, so it was just awesome. But that, that made me realize too how much I felt fulfilled doing this and how mm-hmm. much I loved it. Then that's when I also realized despite imposter syndrome kind of screaming at me, I'm going, hang on a minute, let's have a look at my career. Let's have a look at everything I've learned along this way. Let's have a look at the systems and the processes I've put in place in every startup, in every corporate, in every environment that I've been in. And what was the result of that? It was success in every, well, almost every case. My early startups, huge amount of failures. They were so much fun. Uh, learned a lot from those. But, yeah. but actually understanding that I had a lot to offer these businesses and things. And then... The hardest part, by the way, when you're dealing with imposter syndrome constantly, as we do as entrepreneurs, getting recognized by your own industry was um, a very humbling, a very amazing, but also very difficult thing to deal with. Um, Adobe um, in 2018 highlighted me as one of the top 50 marketers in the world um, with, through the Fearless 50 program and seeing myself on stage. In fact, they only picked the top 25. My son keeps reminding me of this. He's like, Dad, you're technically the top 25. I'm like, dude. They've picked the whole 50 now. And he goes, yeah, yeah, but you're in the top 25. And I'm like, okay. But standing <laughs> on stage with people I look up to in the industry and people that I would go to for advice, um, that was really bizarre. My brain didn't cope with that very well, if I'm honest. It was kind of this weird journey. But then also realizing that that means I actually do have something to offer all these people. So uh, honestly, the last year, because January 2020, I left Cigna, really started the coaching side of things in around June. Uh, and realize how fulfilled I feel and how much I'm enjoying this. So so now it's all about just continuing to do what I do and scaling it, like just group program, launching that um, very soon um, and just being able to help as many entrepreneurs as possible to scale and succeed. It's the best. I love it. Definitely. Wow. Sounds pretty cool. All right. So, um, so, well, for today's episode, Vince is joining me to talk about social proof. And so um, Vince is going to lead us off uh, just to explain a little bit about what is social proof. So I'll let you go for it. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, okay. Definition for you. Really, really simple. Social proof is proof in society. So it's, it's, it's basically as marketers, we all know there's there's three things that we need to build with potential customers. That is what we call the know, like, and trust layer. Right? They need to know you because otherwise they won't they won't be able to engage with you. They need to like you. That's really important. But they also need to trust you. And it's really easy to get the know layer done because that can come down to advertising. That's just putting yourself out there, getting everywhere. That they just got to be aware of you. But that know and like piece, uh, trust and like piece rather, is really really difficult. So social proof 
as a way for society to prove that others should trust you. So it's their way of saying that this person or this company or this product or this offering, whatever it is that you have, is their way of saying, actually, this is something you should pay attention to and this is something you should be able to trust. So nice and simple. That's my definition. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So then um, the no, the social proof aspect is like a huge, uh, you know, kind of block for people who are like just getting started yeah. and they like don't have a lot of testimonials yet. What do you usually suggest for, you know, like new businesses, new entrepreneurs who are like, you know, I need social proof, but I don't have much yet or. Yeah. I think, uh, okay, so there's so many things you can do here. So um, this is why, I, honestly, when we talked about this topic, uh, Victoria, I was like, yes, this is, I love this. Uh, mainly because one of my previous companies, Common Ledger, um, we were, uh, I, I founded that with a friend of mine. He's a developer, he's like super genius guy, weird as, like, honestly, I'm sure he's mentally unstable. And I mean that in the most <laughs> loving way possible because he, he's an awesome friend. But we started this business and realized, what are we doing? We're trying to break into the financial services sector we're trying to build a software that accounting firms are going to use for all of their clients. And we've got no background in finance at all. We, The accounting sector doesn't even know who we are. Like in marketing, I had a huge reputation. I'd won so many awards. It was like, great. He was getting lots of recognition as a developer. That means nothing to accountants. So we're like, okay, how do we prove to them? Like, How do we kind of cut into a market that is built around trust, that is built around people going, okay, you're dealing with financial data. This is something you cannot stuff up. You screw this up, businesses, like their their livelihood is on the line. So we need to make sure we get this right. So we're like, well, how do we do that? First of all, there were a whole pile of things that you have to do. Uh, like, for example, as, as entrepreneurs, you need to have things like privacy statements. You need to have things like, um, you know, terms and conditions, stuff like that, that showcase how you're taking responsibility for people's stuff. That can factor into a social proof to a degree. But more importantly than that, you need to be able to get them to trust you. And in that early stage, with um, no recognition in the accounting industry whatsoever, with no testimonials to be put up on the page, anything like that. It was really about using our personal brand to create social proof. Um, and one of the things we did, um, this is a kind of hack if you're in the B2B business, this worked beautifully for us. It was a hypothesis I wanted to test and it blew me away how well it worked. I thought we need people to know who we are because I'm confident that if people know who we are, they're going to like us and they're going to be able to trust us. So we started a blog. Um, this was uh, 12 years ago. I um, started a blog and the blog was not about our offering. It wasn't talking about the products that we were building or the service or anything like that. It really was for people to get to know us. So it was uh, introducing the team as we built the team, but it was talking about the quirky little things we do, like this, the silly little Star Wars toys that we buy each other whenever I'm on the road, like <laughs> talking with new accounting firms. I come back and always buy a present for everyone else in the office, you know, something to make them all join in the celebration. It was the family nights we did. We were very adamant that, you know, we we're on this journey with our families, our kids and our, our uh, partners and everything need to know that they're on the journey with us. So we would have these um, family nights where we wouldn't, it wasn't just like a get together, a networking thing. It was actually honoring them. I would always talk to them about the fact that they are a huge part of this journey and the success of our company is on them as much as it's on us. Um, so we would like do videos of that. We would talk about that. We'd get the, the wives and the uh, kids talking about it as well. It was the silly little Christmas tradition where I dress up as Santa, went across in a rowboat and turned out I don't know how to get out of a rowboat so he accidentally fell in the water, all those kind of silly things. But it was all of the different things that we did and interspersed within that is how much passion we have for our clients. Because we'd, we would uh, blog about the fact that, you know, we just had a fantastic day. We met with a number of different accounting firms, and these were some of the most genuinely talented and inspiring individuals, blah, blah, blah. And the idea was the blog was going to help them trust us. 
then I got the phone call. Actually, I got the LinkedIn message first, and it was from one of the, the big firms, so Grant Thornton, um, who are a very, very big accounting firm. One of the senior partners reached out to me and said, can I buy you a beer? Uh, and by the way, anyone can get my time if they want to buy me a beer. It's really simple. <laughs> you just say, <laughs> want to buy you a beer, Vince, or I want to buy you a whiskey. I'm like, just tell me where, tell me where, and I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, so I said, sure, sure. <laughs> so I met up with him, and he said to me, he said, this is weird. He goes, I feel like I know you. He goes, but I don't. We've never met before. He goes, but the reason is my team are addicted to your blog because we use like silly humor throughout it and all this right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they kept sending him articles that, you know, blog articles that I'd written, sending it to him going, oh, check this, these guys out. They're amazing. And he said, it get, got to the point where I felt like I already knew you, which is the point of social proof. It's got to feel like you're actually got this connection with them. So it felt like I already knew you. Um, and then I thought I must reach out and, and talk to you. So then he said to me, I, th- I think I understand what it is you guys offer. And I, so we explained that. And I, we talked about it for a little bit. And he's going, oh, my goodness, this is so important for the industry, blah, 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 blah. And then he turned around and shocked me. He just said, by the way, I want you to win, right? Whatever you need, I want to help you with it. He said, if you want us to be your client, even though technically as one of the biggest um, accounting firms, they were one of the few that could actually say they probably didn't need us as much as anybody else because they had really advanced systems there. But he said, I don't care about that. We will sign some clients. We will pay for this. We will sign some clients and get them on board. And you can use our logo through all of your marketing. And I sat there and on the in, on the outside, I was like, oh, man, I really appreciate that. That's also on the inside. I'm going, holy crap, holy crap. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I was, I was bouncing around the room just going, I can't believe this happened. So we talked terms and conditions. I like got him signed up for you know paid trials for his customers and then brought them on as fully paying clients. But it was because we already had social proof in the sense that they knew who we were. They trusted us through understanding our personality in that. So that was a hack that I teach people in the financial services sector is you need a way for people to understand who you are. right? And because of that, they will learn to trust you. But obviously, as an entrepreneur, it's harder to do that. So there are some really simple ways that you can do this. First of all, you can look at generating PR. PR is a uh, mainly overlooked aspect by a lot of entrepreneurs. They think, oh, PR is this thing that sits on the side. I'm telling you now, like if you, particularly in the B2B space, PR is a huge tool for you. And not just in the reach that you'll get through articles and things like that, but it's actually through being able to say, as seen on Forbes, as seen on, um, you know, Yahoo Finance, as seen on all these different platforms. Being able to put that there means people, when they see it and they go, as seen on Forbes, well, Obviously, Forbes just doesn't take anyone. <laughs> Little do they know. No, Chucky. Um, <laughs> Forbes doesn't take anyone. So therefore, if they're on Forbes, I should probably trust them. So that's proof that society has said that this is someone worth trusting. So so that's a, a really key way. And, and honestly, there are so many cool hacks to getting good PR. Uh, one of the things we did with Common Ledger was like, okay, if we're going, we were entering the Australian market. So we said, we need to do a PR blitz like six months before we even hit the ground there. So we we went over there for a couple of events, um, and you can translate this into in the B two C space in different ways. But in the B two B space, we went to ZeroCon. It's a giant conference there, and Zero said to us, "Hey, you can buy a booth at our conference, Vince. You know, it's only going to cost you ten thousand dollars." And I'm like, "We're an early stage startup. Now nah, I've got this. We don't need to buy a booth." So instead, we all had an iPad each. I created a survey of just seven questions, and we would go where there is a captive audience, which is the lunch line. So we start at the, the front of the lunch line and we work our way back and we just said, hey, do you want to answer some questions? I answer our survey and go in the drawer to win a bottle of whiskey. Immediately, every accountant goes, whiskey? Uh, they're all alcoholics, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they were like, I'm in, I'm in. So 
each of these questions was designed for multiple different purposes. One of them was designed to collate information about that individual because it helps to profile them. So really cool when you're going, okay, I want to see who I should reach out to. You can actually kind of filter them and go, these guys here are huge. These guys here, not so much. Um, the other thing it did was it started a conversation around each of these questions. Um, and this worked as a lead generator. This worked way better than we ever thought. Like, honestly, I will walk down there and I say, okay, so what's the biggest challenge? One of the questions was, what's the biggest challenge that the proliferation of all these cloud-based solutions is having for you as an accounting firm? And all of them said the same kind of thing. They go, oh, my God, don't get me started. Like, seriously, everyone sees how it's much easier for accountants. No, it's easier for businesses. It makes my life a misery. Well, tell me why. And you'd have this conversation with them and they go, oh, blah, blah, blah. This is the challenge I'm having. You go, man. So what would be the solution for you then? And they go, I don't know. I just want something that makes all these things talk together nicely. And I went, you're kidding. We're literally beta testing that at the moment. And the moment I said that, you would get them not going, I'm interested. They would go, please, please add me to the beta, please. And you get people begging you down the line. It was like the most amazing feeling ever. But the other thing was every one of those questions was designed to be a piece of PR. Because what we were looking for is counter views. So, or contrary views. We're looking for, okay, the, the media was all talking about how, um, in our case, how you know cloud-based accounting solutions were making life easier for everyone. What if we could come back to them and go, actually, I think you might be not right there. You know, I think we think there's a different viewpoint you need to see. The account, uh, the reporters are all over that. They're like, oh my goodness, yes, a contrary view. This would be amazing. I can stand out from all the other publications out there. So what we would do is we would ask a question about that, and then we could come back to the reporters and go, look, we've just conducted this survey. Um, we've found that you know 75% of accounting firms have actually found that they have more challenges now than actually op opportunities because of these cloud-based solutions. You know, I would love to write a piece for you. Are you interested? And then we would write the piece for them anyway, send it to them, and then they would just publish it as though they wrote it themselves because reporters are lazy. Sorry to any reporters <laughs> watching this. Um, but, but it was a huge way. Then we could be in the publications. And then on our website, we would stay as seen in CIO Magazine, as seen in Accounting Today, as seen in blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was an awesome way to add social proof on there. The other thing is, testimonials are not as hard as you think to get. Mm -hmm. If you've got any clients, you can get a testimonial. And mm -hmm. like testimonials, uh, here's, here's a hack for you that's really, really important. Um, don't go out to somebody, to your client, and say, hey, can you write me a testimonial? Because chances are they'll probably say yes, especially if, you, you know, if they're happy with your service and that. They'll probably say yes, but a month later, you're still chasing them out going, hey, how'd you get on with that testimonial? And at that point, they feel harassed. The main reason is mentally, there's a huge amount of, of um, brain power that has to be used to write a testimonial because you've got to think about what to write, how to structure a testimonial, how would they like me to put up word it, what's the key things I should put down, all these kind of things. So you can make life a lot easier for yourself by calling up your client and saying, hey, look, I'd just like to interview you for a moment just to find out what your experience was like. I'm looking to get a testimonial off the back of this as well. So what I'll do is I'll interview you, I'll record it, and then I'll put together a kind of uh, like, I'll paraphrase what you're saying and see if that aligns with what you're thinking. They go, okay, so you're doing all the hard work for them. And then what you do is you ask them what life was like prior to working with you. So what was the challenge they had? What was the need they had? How did that feel? Those kind of things. Then when you first approach me, you know, what, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? Like, what was that experience like? And then how was it, you know, working with me? And more importantly, what's life been like since you started working with me? So you've got the whole kind of journey there. And through that, you want to ask them how they think and they feel, what they were thinking at the time, what they feel, how they are now, all these kind of things. And then you craft that together as the ultimate testimonial using their own words wherever you can. And then go back to them and say, look, you know, I've, I've listened to the recording. This is kind of what we talked about in here. Are you comfortable with this as a testimony? 
So that means from their perspective, you're asking for a testimony, you're making life really easy for them. And at the end you go, ta-da, what does that look like? And they just go, yep, sure. Or maybe maybe change that one sentence because I wouldn't word it that way. And now, now you have a testimony that you can put on your site. It works absolutely beautifully. Yeah, that's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, thank you for sharing all of that. That's like perfect to kind of lead into the next thing, which is like, how is all of that working like for you? Right. And how is it working like in the brains of everybody who you're marketing to basically? So um, when, when we talk about like, you know, how stuff works in the brain, I always go through like the six conversion triggers. And the first one is like, you know, self-centered. So, you know, when you're talking about like your blog and sharing your story and, um, and so you were saying like this blog didn't share any details about like the business or what you were doing in the business Was the blog still tied to your business website. Yeah, it was still tied to the website, but it was, (laughs) yeah. So, so they could, the idea was they could find out more information if they really wanted to. But we wanted to make this about something that they would find interesting, they would find fun, they would find engaging in that kind of way. Um, and then we would have videos on there. We did a, um, we were doing an explainer video for the company, so, which would go on our main website. So we thought, okay, well, let's do behind the scenes. So we we did, we held it at a cafe and we even got one of the cafe workers to be in the video. He came up and brought us our coffee and looked at us weird because we were like, you know, geeking out over stuff. And he's like, looks at the camera like, um, so we made it really, really funny in that. But then we interviewed behind the scenes, we interviewed the, um, the cafe worker and put him on the blog and things like that as well. And he goes, oh man, it's so cool to be a part of this. These guys are so passionate about what they do. So you just get people naturally talking about you and about mm-hmm. your company and things, not about your offering. Because this is the interesting mm-hmm. thing is people, if they're going to you, they would probably gen- generally, hopefully know what you offer already, right? If you've done the heavy lifting with you know your pitching, with your website structure, all these kind of things, then they should know what it is that you do so the next thing they want to do is they want to know, they want to like you and they want to trust you. And you can go a huge amount of way being face-to-face. It's the same as if you think about it from your own perspective, if you go to um, a website, there's not a single image of a human being on that website. There is just the products that they sell. Yeah. Then you immediately go, okay, well, there's products. Can I trust that product? Um, I'm reading on here. There's a couple of reviews. They seem to be okay. So may, maybe this is good. I don't trust this one because it's only positive reviews. They're all five-star reviews. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe if you intersperse some three-star reviews in there. In fact, that's usually what I look for is the three-star reviews. They tell you more about the product than, than the, the five and the one-star. So yeah. you're looking for this kind of sense of trust in there. So you're going, okay, how can I do that? The minute you start seeing another website that has the same products, maybe even the same reviews, but you see people's faces, you see like videos of people, then you put a human to that. And believe it or not, we don't buy from websites. We buy from human beings. Right. right? Websites just a mm-hmm. channel that you buy from. So if you can portray yourself as a human being on the website, oh my goodness, you've, you've done most of the work already. Right. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I was kind of getting to is like, you know, we connect best with other humans. Like that's how we evolved. And, you know, our, our brains process human faces in a completely different part of the brain than like other, any other visual, you know, input. Yeah. So, you know, by like sharing your story and your personality or whatever, you know, not only are we like learning to like, you know, connect with your face, but we're like learning the personality and like connecting with all the dots like, oh, I like that too, or that makes me laugh too. And I think that's another like huge, it's, I call it like a conversion booster because, you know, is using humor Uh, because like you can, you can hit all the triggers like self-centered and visual and emotional and um, humor is like a huge aspect of emotion uh, and the contrast and tangible and first and last and all of that. But when, um, 
when you're making somebody laugh, like what's happening is like your brain's looking for patterns. And then when they finally make the pattern or they hit the punchline or something, your brain gets a little shot of dopamine, which is like, you know, definitely like a reward chemical. So the more you like, you know, create these situations where people are in being rewarded, basically being rewarded for consuming your content, it's like they're connecting to you more. And, um, and so like, you know, and, and just in terms of branding too, that's a really good way for them to like, you know, distinguish your brand is like, you know, Different. nobody else is like sharing this type of content or I don't feel this type of connection with any other, you know, brand like this. And so, um, this is, this is one of the things I like to talk about with the, like social proof is like, you know, you're not only like building that human element and like connecting people to you as like a brand and a personality or whatever, but um, in terms of like the testimonials and like actual like tangible proof, it's like really hitting on um, the contrast, like with the, the method you were t- talking about for collecting testimonials is exactly what I tell people too, is like, you know, it's, it's great to get the testimonials that say like, uh, oh, so-and-so is so great at what they do and I love it, but there's, there's, we need the contract. It doesn't mean much to you though, does it? Yeah. 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 It's, it's great for like a book cover or something, but yeah. we need like the before and the after that's the contrast that like really converts or whatever. And so, um, so I like that suggestion to like interview them versus like asking them to write a testimonial because it, it is, it can be kind of like, you know, nerve wracking yeah. to like create that for someone. <laughs> and I, so- I always think of it like if I'm at a party um, and funny enough, most of my analogies are me at a party because I, I never got to go to parties when I was young. Anyway, so, um, so I always like to picture myself at a party again. Okay, if someone came up to me and there, there were two people, say you were there, Victoria, and somebody else comes in and goes, oh, Victoria's awesome. Like, she's really, really good. She knows her stuff. And I go, cool. So that made me think, oh, yeah, Victoria knows her stuff. But if they come into me and go, hey, this is Victoria. Oh, my goodness. Like, seriously, she transformed my business. Like, prior to working with Victoria, I didn't even know, you know, how the brain worked. I didn't know all this kind of stuff. And now my website's just churning out leads constantly. I'm going, whoa okay, I want that result, mm-hmm. you know, versus me going, okay, well, Victoria is a good person. But if they're giving me results, they're giving me what life is like now after working with Victoria, of course, I'm going to pay attention to what they're saying. And I'm going to really engage with you at <laughs> the party going, okay, we need to talk more. So yeah, I always always try and put that analogy of think about it in real world terms. And anything you're doing on a website, think about it in real world, term, world terms, like you copy anything like that. If you don't talk to people that way in real life, don't talk that way on a website. You know, try and try and make it. They, they should feel like they hear your voice through the entire web page, through your copy, through your imagery, through everything. It should feel like they have some kind of connection to you as an individual. And that's why social proof is so vital to, um, you know, your landing pages, so vital to your offerings, all these kind of things as well. Definitely. Yeah. And then that also kind of like brings us to like the storytelling element, like just between like the way you use the blog and like the way, you know, those kinds of testimonials, like you can actually craft like a story from that. And that is another like huge conversion booster as well. I'm actually, the next episode is going to be about like the neuroscience of storytelling. And so um, this is like... (laughs) I'm subscribing already. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's like this perfect moment where you get to like, you know, 
the the storytelling gives you a, a platform to like you know share the journey the before and the after and like the tangible results and you know create those connections like through the humor or you know even just the story on its own that's like its own kind of like you know pattern that the brain wants to figure out and so once that ending is you know that conclusion is there there's another little shot of dopamine so it's oh, just like goodness. you know yeah. dopamine everywhere you know uh, yeah exactly we <laughs> love the dopamine <laughs> yeah. the thing is though our brains I mean you know this Victoria you teach this but our brains are wired for stories our brains are wired to receive information in that way so when you're telling a story you feel like you're on the journey with the storyteller so that's really important because as a potential client they're actually picturing themselves in that story which means when you're talking about before and afters they they already know okay the before yes that's me that's how i feel right now but when they get to the after they feel like they're already there because they've been on that journey through the story with you which means they now picture what that after is like meaning they get really dissatisfied with the fact they're not actually there now. So it makes it very easy for them to want to engage with you. But the other thing it does, and this is where, this is where social proof comes in as well, is when you're telling a story, when you're engaging with anyone, um, we are very protective. Our brain's very protective of ourselves. Um, so we have our defense mechanisms. You know, We have our crocodile brain, we call it. So the moment that someone's engaging with you, talking to you, your brain's going, yeah, I'm looking for evidence here to see whether I can trust this information or trust this person. In fact, I look at it from, um, I used to, uh, this, I teach when people are doing public speaking, I teach them to talk about their story first. And there's a reason for that. I would go to all these conferences and someone gets up there and they were brilliant at what they do, but I'd never heard from them. I'd never heard about them before. They would get up there and go, hi, I'm Steve. And here's my five things that you must do right now. Number one. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. By the time you get to number three, you're still sitting there going, is this good advice? Is this bad advice? Yeah. I'm still not 100% sure. It seems to be resonating with me, but I'm, I'm looking for evidence either way. Is this good? Is this bad? But the moment they start with telling this story and they go, okay, this I'm Steve. This has been my journey. I used to be here. Now I'm here. This is what I've learned along the way. And through all of this, I've come up with these five things. The moment they start with number one, you already under, understand the context of where they got this, the context mm -hmm. of why you should pay attention to them. And then you're fully engaged. So yeah. it's the same kind of thing with social proof as your brain is looking for every way to discredit or credit the, the information that's being presented to you or the product that's being presented or the offering or whatever it is. So social proof disarms that defense me mechanism. It is the evidence that your brain's looking for. It's going, well, actually, you know, a hundred people have reviewed this uh, product and of that, they're mostly like it's a 4.8, 4.7, I reckon is the ultimate number. It's a 4.7. That means this must be pretty good because there's always going to be disgruntled people out there. It's always yeah. going to be people that are like, eh. In fact, um, we look at, at reviews, like Google reviews, and it's hilarious. I used to work at Signal as chief marketing officer. And while I was there, we would look, we would go through our Google reviews, right? And there were some disgruntled people that were like, oh man, they just didn't understand how insurance works, despite the right. fact you're telling them all the time. They're like, I tried to withdraw all my money and they wouldn't give it to me. Like, that's not how it works. But anyway, <laughs> but then we had the most hilarious one ever. It was a Google review that said, worst scones I've ever bought. Like seriously, would never shop there again. The coffee was terrible. The scones were horrible. And I was like, hey, we don't sell scones. We don't even provide scones. We don't have coffee. How is this? So obviously someone's got the wrong idea. They thought it was some cafe, probably signal with an S or something like that. So we would respond to that. And we would respond to that by going, oh my goodness, 
I hate it when I get bad coffee. I hate it when I get bad scones. That must have been terrible for you. Um, we're actually Signal Life Insurance. We don't actually sell scones and coffee, but we can recommend some amazing places if you're interested. So we yeah. kind of engage with them on a human level. And then they turn around and go, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. We thought that you were the cafe, blah, blah, blah. No, you should try <laughs> these cafes. They're amazing. Oh, my goodness, yes. Sir. So you end up with this engagement with them. And then you get somebody thinking, hey, these Signal Insurance people, they're insurance people, but they're kind of all right, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's why it's social proof. That's why you should really pay attention to this. So any chance you can add things like reviews, testimonials, uh, any way to kind of get somebody else to talk about how awesome you are, somebody else to talk about what it's like, what the experience is like working with you, then that will disarm that defense mm-hmm. mechanism in the brain. It will go, hey, hey, you're not needed right now. We're okay here. Well, we can see that this is something we should trust. So defensive brain, crocodile brain, you go sit in the corner, have a coffee, don't care what you do, sit in fetal position, think about what you've done in your life, don't care, but we don't need you right now. We're mm-hmm. going to fully engage with this individual or this company. Nice. Yeah. So I think we're doing good on coming up with a lot of like, you know, (laughs) ways that social, social proof is like really working and like why it works. And so, yeah, yeah, if you, if you don't, if you're not focused on it, change your life, (laughs) change some things around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Take a moment to think about what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, to wrap it up, why don't you uh, share some like maybe, so maybe like three to five tips, like top tips you think would be great for, you know, like people just starting out or, yeah. you know, kind of like you're saying people who maybe don't have a lot of social proof yet. Uh, just quick actionable tips. What have you got? Okay. First one is really simple. Ask, like just ask people for testimonials, ask them for feedback, ask them to review you, all of these kind of things. Ask them while you're going through it. Like, for example, if your process involves talking to people face-to-face or via Zoom or whatever, as you're going through the process, before you've even completed the full transaction or before you delivered on the transaction, um, ask them what it's like, how it's going, and say, look, you know, hey, I'd love you to leave a review. Are you okay with that? Because in their mind, they're going, well, I haven't actually received the full value of this yet, so I better be nice to them. So, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll leave a review. So they leave you a review. Yeah. Or you can just get the review from them and do it for them. Um, but don't be afraid to ask people. The thing is, most people, if they have a good experience with you, they don't even think to leave a testimony or a review. And the reason for that is because it's it's not top of mind. I'll tell you when it is top of mind, if they have a bad experience with you or if they have really poor service, they will want to tell everybody about that. So you want to trigger them and say, hey, I'd love you to leave a review. Would you Would you do that? And they'll, they'll almost, almost always say yes. Um, the second thing is early stage, you may have one or two clients. Obviously, that's not much feedback that you can get. But... Mm-hmm. Think about it in parallel terms. You've had so many other people that you've helped along the way. You've helped you have people in previous jobs that know what it's like to work with you. So think about what aspects of that are relevant for what you're offering now. For example, if you're a coach, right? You're a um, say, for example, you're a lifestyle coach or no, a um, health and wellness coach. There we go. So you're helping people get fit. You've only got two clients, so you can get their feedback about the transformation that they've gone through working with you. That's going to be really, really powerful. Even more powerful, by the way, here's my third tip, even more powerful if you can do it via video. A video testimonial is amazing. As long as mm-hmm. the person's not, you know, who's a robot that looks like they're reading from a script, like interview them, have a conversation, like forget the cameras are there, get them to forget about it and just have a conversation. That's my third tip. But back to the second tip is if you don't yet have many people that you can call on there, as a health and wellness coach, you will still have people that you have helped or have seen the transformation in your own life. So interview them, talk to them, get their input on it. Or you will have some of your peers that you have worked with or a coach that you've worked with, get them to review you as an individual 
rather than what it is that you're offering and put those as part of your testimonies as well. Uh, that's three. Fourth is say hi to my cat in the background. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's coming and he wants my attention now. Um, let's see. Fourth tip from me would be um, use trust badges and things like that wherever you can. I mean, this is not so much social proof as more the, the trust factor element of it, but still counts for this kind of thing. So anytime you can get other people mentioning how good you are. And sometimes that's things like uh, meeting certain standards, uh, meeting privacy standards, signing up for, um, like, for example, even down to uh, signing up to eco programs and things where it's like, hey, for every so many clients, I'm going to plant a tree and get accreditation for these kind of things. It's a little bit of effort up front, but what it says to people is that you are serious and that they should they should take more pay more attention to you. They should trust you. So use these kind of trust badges as well, things like that. Uh, fifth tip would be um, just don't stress too much about it. Just look for every opportunity you can. Don't be afraid to go out to old clients that you've got, um, even, even down to some of your prospects. If you find people that are uh, not really, and what, how am I trying to word this? You've got a client that you don't really fit, for example. So mm-hmm. you're a health and wellness coach. You want to help people lose um, 20 kgs so they can manage their diabetes and their heart health. Um, I'm thinking through, this is legitimately one of my clients at the moment. So I've got, right, okay, let's, let's tap into that. You want them to lose 20 kg, but you've got someone there that's only like 60 kg, doesn't need to lose the weight. They really just want to get fit. Well, that's not really how you're going to help them. So you give them free advice, you talk with them, you point them in the right direction. Don't be afraid to reach out to them and say, hey, look, I know that my offering didn't help you, but I just would love to get your feedback on on how our engagement and and the value it added and things like that. Record that session, then go back to them and go, "Hey, I was just listening to our interview. I'd really love to turn that into a testimony if you might, if you don't mind. Here's what I wrote up based on our conversation." And nine times out of ten, like I said, they will say yes. Sometimes they're a little bit uncomfortable about it, but you will get reviews that way as well, and you'll get testimonies. Super important. Nice. Awesome. Those all sound like great tips. So <laughs> I feel like all five can be condensed into one, but we'll stretch it out and call them five. Tonight. There you go. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> all right. So thank you so much for joining me today. It was awesome. Um, a lot of helpful tips and um, I look forward to chatting again soon, hopefully. Oh my goodness, Victoria, I know we're doing this for your podcast in the live, but I feel like this is really selfish because it's just us getting to nerd out over human psychology (laughs) and how the brain works. Love this stuff. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, Make sure to check out uh, next episode. We're doing neuroscience of storytelling. So we got a little sneak peek on that today. It's going to be awesome. And thanks again, Vince, for joining us. And I will see you all later. All right. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to But Why Though? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're looking to increase your sales conversions in the next 90 days, check out my free library of training videos. It's called Conversion Flicks. Get the link at the show notes.